and it's been since February of 2021. I had to double check that as well. And yeah, pandemic is almost over. It's exciting. Oh wait, no. <laughs> no. And and Chris gave me explicit instructions not to spend too much time on the really kind of soul-crushing developments in recent weeks of things not really being over when we thought they might be over. I got a lot of shows booked that I'm worried about, Mike. We both do. I have so much. My social calendar is so busy that I have two different shows on the same night that I'm trying to (laughs) extricate myself from one of them. It's causing me a lot of grief. It's too bad that Dead Sarah isn't uh, outdoors, so you could be like, I'm just not comfortable with inside right now. So It might even be. I don't even know that venue. I haven't been there before, but yeah, they... Announced the tour through the Midwest, which I was very excited about. Mm-hmm. Then I saw the date. That date sounds familiar. Why does that <laughs> date sound familiar? It's because I'm supposed to go to a dinner theater with multiple extended family to see the Music Man, which on any other night would be really cool and fun. Oh, you know, musicals aren't my my jam, so. Well. There is that. So I'm I'm trying with my wife and trying to figure out how I can navigate doing one and not the other. And now both of them might be canceled anyway. So <laughs> problem could be solved. Which, you know, that's not exactly the solution I want. Right. Uh, so, yeah, it's been several months. We've both been busy uh, actually traveling a little bit. Yeah. With restrictions down earlier in the summer, seeing family and seeing some friends. It's been exciting. How how are you overall? I mean, I'm good. It's been a really fun summer after, you know, the long COVID winter. We had a couple of glorious months where things were opening up and positive, and I got to take advantage of that. And... Uh, yeah, I, you know, got to get out to San Francisco at the beginning of the summer and um, got to go to Denver. I didn't really get to spend much time in actual Denver because I was there for a global dance festival. But uh, but yeah, it was fun to, to get it out and about. You're not too old for a global dance festival? <laughs> well, that was the, the question at hand because as much as I've always – well, since the mid '90s, liked that music. Um, I have never tried to do one of the, you know, big all-day festivals for dance music. So I wasn't really sure how it's going to hold up under those conditions. And as you're drinking water, how did it go? <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess the good thing was that each night there were about three or four people that i was really wanting to see and most if you're not the headliner at one of these big festivals you get about an hour so we're talking Mm -hmm. three to five hours of people that i really wanted to see which is not that different from you know 
going to see like above and beyond. And then they've got like two openers before them. So all in all, it went fine. I think <laughs> the uh, Denver altitude was an additional challenge. Like we arrived like a same. road team playing the Denver Broncos. It's like you got no shot in the second half. <laughs> and and this was in the this the uh, the parking lot of Mile High Stadium. So, so there you go. Um, so yeah, we got in the same day of day one of the festival. So you know had gotten up early that morning, traveled, you know, um, gotten picked up and went to a, a friend's house and we're hanging out there for just a little while and then like off to this festival. So, you know, we were having a lot of fun. Um, that first day, Gabriel and Dresden were playing. So, you know, got to see them. It's funny to go see somebody and, like, have them know who you are and, like, you know, point at you and sing at you and stuff <laughs> while they're up on, like, the big festival main stage was was fun. Um, and got to, you know, meet them and hang out with them and hang out with the people that kind of run their stream and chat and whatnot so that was really fun and then you know there were quite a few people after that that i wanted to see and we're in the middle of uh i believe it was it was either green velvet or uh uh it doesn't really matter most of our listeners don't care but one of the subsequent sets that we were at i was dancing and having fun and just kind of mid-set my calves were just like we're done here like <laughs> You either have to sit down right here or go find a place because you're going to fall down any second. And it wasn't like cramping. It was just like exhaustion. That sounds unfortunate. <laughs> well, you know, I stumbled back to VIP because we had VIP tickets and they had um, a bunch of just like big, you know, like the nice outdoor furniture sets that people get that are basically like couches for outside. Mm -hmm. They had a whole bunch of those. So I just popped down on one of those and that was actually like one of the most fun things. Like I kind of wish that I had had more time just to do that. It's, it's nighttime at that point, And there was like a, just like interesting stuff set up to like look at. And um, at a festival like that, like it is, you know, it's on in terms of whatever you want to wear or not wear as the case may be. Um, and so it's just this nonstop, you know, people watching. I was, <laughs> I was sitting there just kind of zoned out because you can hear music coming from all the different stages. It almost works like white noise because they're all combined together and are just kind of resting and like not really paying attention to the foreground of like what's in front of me because they're like fireworks going off the distance. And all of a sudden this guy just goes by me doing the worm across the, like all the way across the lawn, like from the left side of my vision, just all the way across and out the other side, not anybody with him, didn't say anything, wasn't doing it for anybody, just decided he, he needed... He was doing it for himself. Just needed to do the worm right, yeah. all the way across the the VIP area. So there was just one thing after another like that, and you're hearing other people's conversations. Like, that part alone was super entertaining, so... I think the move is you need to travel with a festival hammock where you just set up shop somewhere and swing around. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you say that. Um, you know, during the pandemic, when I was taking in so much club quarantine i would often like just go lay down in bed and continue to watch and listen and then like a good song would come on and i would kind of like 
be like jamming in, in bed. And I started joking about that in the chat of like, you know, I think bed clamping is my thing. Like, can we? Are you going to go mocking? I was like, can we get Hammocking. like a like a four poster, like single bed that y'all just carry me in on to these events. I can be kind of like home base for everybody. Yeah. Maybe, maybe next year there'll be time, you know, at the, <laughs> at the gorge. Maybe, maybe. Um, so yeah, no, it was really fun. Um, you know, I, I need to be in better shape. I have another one at the end of summer. Um, assuming that all these things still happen. It's outside, so I would assume that it will. And there's a lot more people that I'm excited to see at that one. And we have tickets to some sort of after party, which, again, I guess on the COVID front, we'll have to decide if we're still comfortable with, because I'm fairly sure that's indoors at one of the clubs there. Um, but I got to do what I've been doing lately, just play Ring Fit Adventure all the time on Nintendo. I, get, yeah. get in shape by battling monsters. I really need to be doing a lot of cardio every day between now and then so that I'm in I'm in better shape. But um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Like three to five hours, like I managed pretty well and had a lot of fun. Like 12 hours may be, may be rough. No, that's that's a long time for, for anyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I mean, it should be fun. Like Denver, there'll be a lot of people there that we know, you know, kind of air quotes know in some cases, really know as in we've already met them in other cases. So um, it's really it's but that's been one of the really fun things about the summer is I've gotten to meet a whole bunch of different people from Club Quarantine in person. And, um, you know, largely it's been fun. And people who are coming to your weekly streams, you got to meet some of them. Uh, yep, I've gotten to meet quite a few of them, and uh, you know, some more to go as of that festival. So, your Wednesday night ladies' night streams, which pretty much have been a staple for you all year. Yeah, I don't think I think I've maybe taken I've only taken maybe one or two off since I started doing it. Uh, a little before Thanksgiving last last year, so appointment viewing for some folks. <laughs> it should be for everybody. I mean, come on. Well, I mean that's that's the game plan. You're right to take over Twitch. Uh, I mean, I, I think I I would need to do it a lot more frequently than I do now to to take over Twitch. I think that the two biggest keys to like really growing an audience are to be consistent and to do it a lot, you know, so exactly what we do with this podcast. Exactly. Exactly. So we recorded six months ago and we're recording again. So every six months, you (laughs) know, you know, we're dropping bombs. Yeah. Set your calendar. Um, and it's, you know, I think from the outside, it seems really, not that hard to just get on and play music, but like the amount of time I spend like listening to music and we've probably talked about this before, but like figure out what I want to play. Like it consumes a fair amount of time. So I, each week I have basically plans of fitting in a second or even a third stream. And it happens about once every other month that I get in an extra stream. So I would, I'd really have to up, up my game on that if I want to, you know, grow it a lot more. And I've talked about that with the podcast, too. So in addition to this one, the other one I run is more of an interview podcast, and it's been really 
enjoyable in some ways to reach out to people, schedule a time to talk to them, then research that person, like read their stuff or consume the stuff that they've put out, develop questions, organize that, have that interview, edit it, post it, and then it just comes and goes so fast. And then everyone moves on to the next thing. And you're like, oh, I guess I got to create something new. And it gets to be a bit of a grind, which in the last year, I've just been busy doing other stuff. And lately, I've had a little bit more energy and interest in doing that again. I just put out an interview uh, with the author of a Suicidal Thoughts workbook that I think is really useful and really well done. She's a psychologist, so got to talk to her, which was fun. It's, I'm impressed that you're very persistent with doing <laughs> that every week because it's not easy to go out there and create stuff. So kudos to you. Yeah, you know, I think it helps a lot that, you know, before Club Quarantine happened, before I had a built-in audience because of that, which, you know, is really the only reason that I get to do it. Um, you know, it was something that I wanted to do, but I just didn't think that that many people would care. Um, but, you know, it's something I genuinely enjoy doing. Like if you were like, yeah, once a week you just play, you know, the music that you want to play for other people to listen to and whatnot. Like I, I do that for free and I didn't really get into it with any, you know, any idea that I was going to like make money off of doing this. Um, it's just something I enjoy doing it. So it makes it easier to, to do it every you know single week excuse me, even the weeks that I kind of don't feel like doing the prep for it. Like once I actually do the stream, I always really enjoy it. So. That's good. I mean, it's basically a bunch of friends just hanging out and talking about just random crap while I play music. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like talking about plamping. It's, it's kind of like we're hanging out in the basement and I'm just playing music and people are kind of talking about whatever. So Nice. It's, you know, yeah, it's 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 a good time. And, you know, hopefully I'll eventually be able to add another day or two and we'll see if it can like grow some more and actually become like a small source of income instead of like basically paying for the music that I buy, um, which is what it does now, which in and of itself, if you're like, hey, you're going to be able to buy more music because people are actually going to pay <laughs> for you to stream it. I'd be like, awesome. Sign me up. Right. So. Nice. Yeah, I, I haven't quite. The whole monetizing my hobby thing. I, I actually wrote an article about that earlier. It's just I have to get back to writing things for me or recording things for me, which is what my goal has been. I've written a few things here recently about Loki and about Strixhaven, which is a and d setting set in a university. <clears throat> it was a magic setting first, just FYI. So it, it was the broader Wizards of the Coast setting, yes. <laughs> Um, which I just, I'm excited about that. I, I think playing D and D in a school setting just sounds fun. It sounds different. Um, so I wrote some stuff about that. I thought Loki was really good. Wrote some stuff about that. Um, found this, this workbook interesting. So was able to speak to that author. So, you know, there's been more time and more interest in doing things like that, which is great. And I'm not, I'm trying not to focus on the, well, how many, how many downloads did I get or how many views did I get? It's just more like, Oh, I had fun doing this and what's going to be the next thing that's fun. Yeah. 
which I have the luxury of doing because I have a full-time job that's very right. rewarding and keeps me busy. So it's it's trying to find a balance of those things. Yeah. I, you know, and I think that for, you know, most people that are successful doing something, whether it's streaming or whatever, that is kind of monetizing a hobby, it is really important to stay in touch with, like, what's fun to you? What did you like in the first place? Like, you know there's always going to be some work involved as soon as you're trying to do it and make some, some money at it. You know, it requires a certain amount of commitment. Like we were just talking about, like being consistent, but you know, I, it just, since I've been paying attention to streaming more because I was doing it myself, like you see people burn out all the time on it. And I think it's because they do get into that worrying about, what's going to get views, what do people care about. So if it's gaming streamers, they start playing games they don't even really like that much because they feel like it's the new hot and they need to play it for views or, you know, music streamers are getting away from what they actually enjoyed about doing because, you know, they feel like their audience wants to hear this or see this. And so, you know, that's kind of the balance and the potential trap when you're doing it of like taking your fun thing and then suddenly making it, uh, grind and and a job. Yeah, not not good. No, I mean some if it's purely your income and you can compartmentalize it that way, and you know, right? You know, I, there's a lot worse ways to make a living. But I mean, to me, it comes off too. Like the more it becomes a job for you, like the less joy you're taking in it, and then like, you know, <laughs> if who you are and your persona is an important part of, you know, when you're streaming, then that starts to show too. So, yeah, I wonder sometimes about because my main, I guess, outlet or the way I, I promote these things is on Twitter, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and my feed lately has just been a weird combination of. Hey, this is really important interview with this person offering, you know, tips on living well and suicide prevention. And hey, this D&D setting is going to be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And there's really no in between. It's which I'm fine with, you know, every once in a while I'll post other stuff. But I, I feel like that's that works for me and it all makes sense in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it may not be everyone's combination they're looking for. Well, I do like to give you crap about, you know, being Debbie Downer. <laughs> There's been less of that. <laughs> yes. Lately. There has. There has. <laughs> but for a but while, yeah. th- for a while there, I was writing and sort of talking about here are the stuff. Here's the stuff I'm not enjoying anymore. <laughs> Right. Which, you know, I hadn't really even thought about it that way because I'm such a casual Twitter user. But I gather just from seeing your 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 posting about that specifically that either you got some feedback from somebody or some comments or, you know, just became aware of it yourself that, you know, it was kind of a lot of uh, writing or tweeting about the things that you don't like about the things that you like. Well, and my my depressive bout might have ended as well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, there's that. Then. There's that, too. <laughs> no, I, I think it's always – and one of the things we have – I think it's been a theme of this, this show is trying to figure out how can you maximize time on the things that you care about and how are the things that you cared about when you were younger maybe in a funhouse mirror a little bit different than – 
you know, what you can care about now. So, you know, one thing I stopped playing was Hearthstone, which mm-hmm. I've talked a bit about on the show. I've certainly enjoyed it over the years. And on, during a vacation, I just decided ahead of time, like, I'm not going to play this. It's it's just a distraction. I want to focus on my son and family and just not have just one less thing to juggle. So I took a break from it and then realized I really don't miss this. That, that's, there's nothing really drawing me to play this again. And so I just wrote about that experience of, mm-hmm. you know, with these games that are a service rather than a condensed experience. And I mean, certainly these collectible trading card games like Magic or Pokemon or any, yep. there's a million of them now, uh, especially in the online format. It just, it doesn't end. And how much time do you devote to a game that is never going to be over? And when is it okay to say, you know what, I, I'm done with this now. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you're rewarded for playing every day, which is mm-hmm. what these games do. They they have a very clear behavioral reinforcement <laughs> agenda where it's like, hey, if you sign in, you get gold. So if you don't sign in, it feels like you're losing something. It's like, oh, I could have got gold for signing in. Right. Um, so I wrote about that and just how it was nice to get off that treadmill. Mm-hmm. And it has freed up other time for me to do other stuff which is is good also it's summer i'm able to be outside more so it's it's a good combination yeah that's an interesting topic too and maybe one that we can do like a separate show about which is you know as you may have gathered just because some of your people that you follow will also talk about magic here and there or you'll see tweets about magic because of that magic is really going through a uh a transition phase that's you know making a lot of people anxious and whatnot because they you know they try to transition to being an esport to sort of com- compete with Hearthstone. Hearthstone had really dominated that that market, and you know if to a lot of people it feels like they're kind of getting away from what traditionally made Magic great, um, specifically. Uh, you know, having the Pro Tour and having lots of in-person tournaments, which they're still going to have, but it's just very unclear how many and like how much money people can make anymore and, and on and on. And But that kind of like pro-level magic kind of drove the whole thing. And now everything is changing and they're trying to drive people online. And I, to me, what's really missing about that, like, you know, and this is maybe just specific to me as an extrovert, but I think this is true of a lot of people is like the draw of that game is partially that it's a really fun, great game. And it's partially that you get together with friends to play it, or you go with your friends to a store to play it. And to me, like I have um, eternal, which is kind of another Hearthstone like game that I play on my phone, Mm -hmm. but I play that very casually. I play that like, you know, I have 15 minutes at work and need a brain break or I'm going to bed or waking up and just want to do something for a minute. It's not the same level of uh, involvement. Like I net deck everything that I play on that. Like I don't spend time building deck. Like I don't spend a lot of time on it because there's not that fun social part of it. And I wonder for something like Hearthstone, if that's kind of part of what's missing, you know, for you that just kind of makes it more of a grind than, than fun it, it became definitely a habit and there were parts that were enjoyable and, I, and i've i mean there's definitely communities out there you since there isn't that in-person component unless you're trying to get 
in the competitive scene, and even most of that is just online. Mm-hmm. There's, there's not. I but think you know, they tried a few years ago to try to get this like scene going where you could have local tournaments and all this stuff. It, it's a lot to organize, and just they're mm-hmm. not tangible cards. So you need an online, you need an internet connection, and it's complicated. Yep. So, but there's a ton of people who stream Hearthstone. They write about it. I've interviewed some of those folks and uh, are, are friendly with them on, on social media. And it's like you feel like you have a little bit of a relationship, though at the same time, it's just there's a distance there. You're not meeting pe- people in person. Right. And you're just you're never sitting down with them face to face and like talking while you play the game or like talking in between rounds or, you know, or going, going out to... to get a beer or a meal Correct. or something or like having like, hey, exactly. Let's... So there's that part that's missing. So it does feel there's an emptiness to it. And mm-hmm. I think you have to build a community for that game to, you know, to have that element to there. And so I didn't really have the community. The game itself, they're always trying to innovate something. Here's a new wrinkle. And the meta goes up and down and sideways. And it just it doesn't end. Mm-hmm. You know, if if a deck gets too powerful, they nerf it. And just how much it costs, both in time Mm-hmm. And in terms of actual dollars to keep up with, okay, here are the good decks. Here's here's what's competitive, or here's how right. much I have to play to learn my outs with this deck versus that deck, and all that mm-hmm. stuff. It it became untenable, so I pulled back from the game, pulled back from the game. So eventually, it was like I don't I don't need to play this. Yep. And the downside is I don't. Like I've I've invested a lot in that game. It's it's given me a lot of fun over the years. I've enjoyed it. I, I don't really have a bad thing to say about the game. It was just time for me to stop playing. And maybe in the future I'll decide to get back to it. I I don't mm-hmm. think that's the case right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I just I can't do anything with my Hearthstone collection of cards. Right. Yeah. yeah. See, for for me, like even when I was most into playing games online, like the biggest thing I played was Halo. And I played Halo with a giant group of people that organized around playing Halo. So we're all in lobbies together. Like there was, there was still that social component. Um, And I know that's not important to everybody. Some people, you know, would want a game that you have no socializing because, you know, they're, more of an introvert and they need to like regain their energy by <laughs> playing something like Hearthstone. But to me, like that, that social draw and that, that community and, you know, getting to talk and just, you know, BS with people and whatnot is like such a huge draw for, you know, whether I was playing Halo or when I'm playing Magic that just seems really missing from Hearthstone. It's kind of one of the things that would make it hard for me to get into. How often do, do sets come out in Hearthstone? Like how many times a year do they release stuff? When I first started playing, it was more rare. So, I mean, that's five plus years ago and the game's been out for a while now. And they've, I think sets come out every, it's either every three or every four months. Mm -hmm. So there's at least three per year and it might even be four. Yeah. And they've mixed it up in addition because they'll, they've gotten better at identifying problem cards or problem decks and doing something about it. Which, on the one hand, is great because it keeps the meta spinning around and 
the worst offenders aren't allowed to run all over the place. Mm-hmm. I think the flip side is it's just <laughs> it's hard to get invested in any one thing. It's like, oh, I like playing this class or I like playing this deck because it might be changed in a matter of weeks. Yeah. And so you invest the time and money into, okay, I like this card or this is a fun way to play. I'm going to play it. If it's too powerful, then it gets scaled back. Mm -hmm. And if it's not powerful enough, then it might not be that competitive. Mm -hmm. And I got to the point where it's like, okay, I could every expansion rotation, I, I could learn or afford kind of one or maybe two decks that were decent. And mm -hmm. I'm not the best player, so that doesn't help. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it it would take, you know, quite a bit to sort of figure out, oh, okay, here's how you play this. Here's how you approach this matchup versus that matchup. And then by the time you feel like you get a good run with things, everything changes. Mm -hmm. And then you have to start all over again. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It just became, it, especially when you're not, friendly with any people you're playing against or you're not really playing with anyone yep you're sitting in your basement or brushing your teeth or on a treadmill <laughs> or waiting for something else to happen in your life it's like oh i can sneak in a game i just decided i i should be doing other stuff with that time yeah yeah no i asked because that's kind of one of the things that i think you know is a struggle for people like me that have been playing magic for a while is it used to have a very like kind of predictable schedule to it there were like these major tournaments that happen the you know major pro tour stops and um those kind of coincided with set releases happening shortly before them and like hearthstone there were like three to four of those per year and you know, whether it's Hasbro or just whatever, like now it's it's just nonstop with magic. Like they have, you know, X number of big sets, but then there's all these special releases. It's like one. So spoiler season used to be a huge thing in magic. Like everybody like excited to see what the new cards were and whatnot. Right. And now it's it's it never ends like they're like. I don't I know that for me, like I lost interest and I think it's true for a lot of other people like. It, it not it never stops like there's not even time to really build up the excitement about the next thing coming because they are they come so fast like we're just one right on top of the other so well and i mean this i think relates to some other stuff we've talked about in the past previous years at this point yeah just the the speed and the velocity and the breadth of content that everyone feels like they need to release to be seen, to be competitive. So whether it's magic, whether it's Marvel, whether it's any of the other stuff that we kind of care about or enjoy, mm -hmm. it's, there's just always something that gets drowned out so quickly. Like even a new magic set or a new Hearthstone set, it's like, okay, here are the, here's the new cards. And there might be a, a week or three where they slowly leak them. Then the set comes out and then it's just like, okay, what's next? Mm -hmm. And that just seems to be getting faster and faster and faster Yep. to where the point where it doesn't really become special anymore. It's just this constant, Oh, this, there's no peak and Valley. It's just, this is the <laughs> new <laughs> level exactly. of yep. you need to be on all the time to keep up with this hobby, which I can't do. I just, I can't do it. Right. And, you know, 
there's a good chance that what we're talking about here is that we are no longer their primary demographic for these things. And that if I were, you know, 16 or 22, that it would be, you know, I'd be in hog heaven that like, oh, my God, there's always a new set coming. So exciting. Can't wait. Can't wait to play this. You know, but for me that I have less time to invest in any one hobby like it's like I can't keep up with it and therefore like I stop caring about it it doesn't have the fun that it used to like you know I know you and I have both had sort of declining interest in sports but you know to use the analogy like you know it's the build-up to like the NFL season especially when I was really into it and even now because the fantasy football and stuff is like always really fun and this would be suddenly if like the NFL announced like, oh, yeah, we're year round now. Like, <laughs> you know, there will be games every Sunday all year long. And it's just that's how it feels to me. Like, there's well, it, and the NFL is getting there. I had, I had a friend ask me today. He's like, oh, how how much have you thought or how excited are you about the Cowboys season? And I my honest reaction right away was I haven't thought a second about it. Like, I'm, I mean, I, I grew up a big Cowboys fan. I love the NFL would spend 18 hours every Sunday watching games. And now because of a variety of reasons, it's like it's on in the background. I'll watch a game playoffs. I'll get into Super Bowl. I'll watch. Mm-hmm. I, I can't really call myself a Dallas fan anymore. I just, I have no a- attachment to the team. I don't like the owner. <laughs> He's, <laughs> he is not somebody I want to root for. Right. I, they did expand the season to 17 games now because mm-hmm. not enough people were getting hurt in the 16 games. So, <laughs> But, you know, it's still contained between the actual season. I mean, the NFL has done a great job of becoming a year-round entity that people never stop talking about. But in terms of the actual season, you know, it's still... Yeah, but there's, now, there's Monday night the games. There's Tuesday night games some nights. Yes, in season, they have definitely expanded there's the days. There's Thursday night on. games. They have Saturday games. Yeah. And Sunday, and they keep finding ways to do more, mm-hmm. uh, to get more of your attention. Well, because there's money to be made. Live sports is one of the few things that people will sit down in front of a television and watch. Right. Um, at least, you know, in in recent years, that might be changing. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, but they figure, oh, people like this, so let's give them more mm-hmm. and more and more. And I... I you know, and it feels like for some segment of the population, that's going to wear thin. Yeah, I'll be curious to see with, I mean, less so the NFL, just because, I, you know, they can't really, like, ex- keep expanding their season by very much um, unless they're just going to radically change the game and, and how it's played. Um, because, you know, so nobody's body can stand up to, <laughs> to playing football year round. But, you know, for like magic, like I'd be curious to see if they start to realize like, OK, there there is such a I mean, I think about like, you know, baseball cards back in the day, like those were really, really, you know, fun and popular and collectible. And then, you know, the baseball card makers started to be like, oh, you want more of this? Here you go. And like the market was just incredibly saturated where. You know, there was no card you could pull out of a pack that was worth anything. And it just, the you know, it killed the the joy in that for people. And they had to scramble to kind of figure out how to stay relevant. And, you know, but 
that you can't oversaturate things. And so I'd be curious to see with, you know, whether it's magic or Hearthstone or whatever, if they do find that, like, wait a minute, we've we've lost some of what the magic was about this and need to go in the other direction. Well, it's interesting because I have another friend who's as his sort of side business, like you're streaming, he's he's gotten back into sports cards Mm -hmm. and there's a sort of blossoming sports card market now once again where Mm -hmm. it's and i don't know if it's because like the more recent cards are more rare or it's like the high-end cards where it's like oh there's only 10 of these made so the market for this is really really something and what he's told me is like yeah nobody cares about sets like nobody cares if you have a set of cards it's like do you have this specific player Yep. With this specific hologram foil type of thing. Yes. Almost like a comic book cover, like an, a variant comic book cover. Correct. Yeah, that was their, their uh, you know, evolution was to stop, you know, stop becoming that like, oh, if you have this rookie card or like this, you know, one per box insert that's a good player, it became, do you have, you know, one of only 10 in the world of this card that has a piece of, you know, a really well-known player's bat or it's got a piece of their jersey or it has, you know, their actual autograph, you know, things like that where, you know, that's where the money is. They say real-life NFTs. Yeah, (laughs) yes. Uh, But I've, you know, because for so long, the the place that I played Magic at was also a sports card store. Like, I was around that world a lot. I used to do his... Um, sports card shows and you know i would be there selling my magic and they would be there selling their sports cards and just looking at who was coming into those sports card shows and maybe that's changed again like maybe covid or whatever got people younger people into it yeah or um, and i think it also got folks our age who had time and you know the folks who had a little bit of disposable income because they weren't sure. going out and doing as much yeah finally were like oh I remember liking sports cards. Oh, wow, there's a kind of this growing market. Let me get involved. I, I think yeah. that happened for quite a few people. But, you know, as of, you know, five years ago or so, the last time that I did one of those, like the people that would come into that, that demographic was, you know, largely, I mean, it's Minnesota. So, you know, that <laughs> it's hard not for the demographic to be Careful. Fairly, fairly white in Minnesota. Careful. But, but the demographic of these things was, you know, older white men like you know there are some exceptions of that but so it it felt very much like a dying thing then but you know i i hope it reinvigorates itself i mean it's fun stuff yeah i had fun collecting cards a little bit when i was a kid do you collect anything these days albums yeah i don't think i collect anything i mean i and you know my record buying is is lowered just because I don't have the space. Like at this point, I feel like if I'm going to buy a record, then one kind of needs to go. Like <laughs> so. Which one did you sacrifice for the Ted Nugent one I gave you, <laughs> <laughs> and the New Kids on the Block record that I gave you? Nothing has been sacrificed yet, and I might change. That's as much a, a function of just kind of the amount of room that I have to. You know, if they're down in the basement, like I'm never going to listen to them. So at that point, I'm just I'm essentially hoarding. Um, so the amount of records that I can keep right here to listen to is is limited and by limited, I mean, like there's still what, like, I don't know, 300 plus records up here. It's not, it's not a small amount, but it's not like something that I'm doing a ton of collecting on right now. I still buy some magic cards here and there, but you know, it's certainly nothing like it, it once was. And I've actually 
during the pandemic been selling off chunks of stuff that I don't really care about that much. So downsizing again, if you will. So that's really, I guess, kind of it. Like I'm trying to slowly kind of curate uh, and, and I'm not trying to collect it for like, you know, money or value or whatnot, but just I've been trying to have like a collection of like sort of the best graphic novels. So, nice. you know, that's about it, though. Yeah, there's nothing that I'm proactively collecting right now, which I probably haven't in a decade or so. I just again, the space issue, the interest. So many things are not tangible now. Mm -hmm. I used to collect CDs. I used to like doing that. Right. Now I have Spotify, which (laughs) sort of makes CDs irrelevant. I don't have a a record player. If I got one, that would be something fun to collect, but I would end up buying mostly music that I already own on CD. Mm -hmm. And then it would be like, well, I need to spend time to mindfully listen to this album which I don't know how often that would happen. So it just doesn't seem like a practical use of time. Yeah. I mean, but that is the great thing about albums is like, you know, sort of forcing you to actually get it out and, uh, uh, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. We hear the cat too. (laughs) I don't know what he's like trying to sit on me and I don't know what he hit, but there was definitely some interference on my end. Well, that was great. Our friend, Chad, friend of the show, frequent guest of the show, uh, I was over his house a couple of weeks ago going through his records and there was a culture club album. <laughs> I was just like, yes, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're listening to this. And it put it, it was so much fun to just sit there and have that on in the background. And like you hear songs like, Oh, I haven't heard this one in 30 years. Cause it's more of a deep cut. And it was, it was a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, what's fun about it. So, you know, we've, we can get you set up with a record player at some point. <laughs> Emily is not a fan of that idea. Well, I don't recommend it right now. Uh, the reason that I, part of the reason I have so many record players is that Will destroyed at least like the, you know, cartridge part of it at least two or three times when he was a, was a little guy. So it is not a good thing to, to have a, a small child around. No, yeah, Hugo's not the most delicate character. Speaking of Hugo, (laughs) rapid transition. Yep. We watched A New Hope for the first time over the weekend. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't sure I was going to go because the beginning of that movie, after the whole, you know, starship battle in space, is is pretty slow. It's a lot of R2 and C-3PO wandering around the desert and not, not doing too much. So I thought he might check out or be like, this is boring. He mm-hmm. was riveted. He was not eating his lunch, which was pizza, which is a lot for him. Yeah. So right. he didn't eat pizza until like the Death Star showed up. <laughs> he he enjoyed it. He was happy that Yavin was saved at the end because our dog, who's 14 right. years old, is named Yavin. So he's yes. very excited about that. And then a couple of days later, I think it was his grandma who asked who is your favorite character in star wars and you'll love this hmm. he said the death star <laughs> well, i was gonna say there, there wasn't any lando yet so no lando he said the death star which certainly is an eyebrow raising answer <laughs> um well i think he is almost exactly the same age i was when i saw a new hope but i saw it 
I saw it in the theater, which is a little easier for it to be riveting than, you know, at home with other things to distract you. But uh, I got to move a cat. Is that a euphemism for something? <laughs> he's going to end up hanging up on you or something the way he's lying and rolling around and pawing everything. No. So my, my plan is to watch A New Hope again a, a few times before we move on to anything else. Mm hmm. Um. But yeah, he he enjoyed it. He liked the X-Wings. He likes Chewbacca. Make him wait, you know, three to four years. Right. And, and speculate <laughs> really what might happen in the Really have the experience. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad to hear that he liked it. Yeah, so that was fun. Um, it was definitely an emotional... Not too weepy, but it was it was just a fun thing, kind of looking out of the corner of my eye and just watching him watch the movie. Yep. And just like the stuff with Luke and Ben and Ben talking about, just kind of setting up the mythology of that whole world mm -hmm. and, and uh, absorbing that was, was pretty cool. Yep. I, I, I liked it. And it, he doesn't have to like the things I like and all that jazz. So right. it was just fun that he enjoyed it. Yep. Uh, I don't think I've ever told this story on our pod before but when i saw a new hope i was you know with my dad he took me and a friend of mine and this was you know <laughs> it wasn't right when star wars came out but it was still when the theater was sold out for every single show so we ended up being i think we were the very front row and i th it was also my first like actual non-kids movie and i just remember it came on and it was just like so loud and you know how it starts off with like a space battle and whatnot it was noisy and both my friend and i were sitting on my dad's lap immediately because we were scared by like how loud it was and he was like you know do we do you guys need to leave do we have to go and we're you know i think we we're just right on the precipice of leaving the theater before it kind of got to that quiet part and we settled in and of course you know loved it by the end of it but I almost almost uh, wasn't a Star Wars fan because it was, You're it was petrified. So, so loud and overwhelming that I was I was scared to death for a minute. Yeah. Nah. So we're, we're trying to make things work, and um, we'll see how the rest of the summer goes. We we don't have any more trips lined up, so we'll just be here and kind of taking it easy. And... Yeah. Did you want to get a last-second ticket to ARC Festival in Chicago uh, Labor Day weekend? It's my birthday. It is. It is. Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I think my birthday's <laughs> on a Wednesday this year, so... That sounds about right, because yeah. I think the Saturday and Sunday are like the 4th and 5th. So. Yeah, so I believe I'll be working. Uh, <laughs> yeah, get crazy. Partied up. I might be going to the state fair the day before. Mm -hmm, well, mm -hmm. again, we'll see. Uh, we'll see what COVID has in mind for all of us. Yep. Yep. I like how you're avoiding any and all pandemic talk. <laughs> like I said, it, it, you know, it's it's definitely. I think like a lot of people has been bringing me down the last you know week or so, and with. You know, all the shows and things I was looking forward to, you know, feels feels questionable, A, whether they will happen and B, whether I will feel safe going to them. So it's a, definitely a bit of a downer of a topic. Yeah. Well, well, the next time, because I, I think this is going to be a good place to end, but 
one of the things we were thinking about getting to this evening, and it relates to this idea of going to shows, is something that got sparked in my mind about a week ago listening to Hair Nation on Sirius XM, which I cannot recommend enough. It's been delightful. Mm -hmm. Is when is a band no longer that band? Which is very relevant when you're talking about hair bands from the 80s, because mm-hmm. uh, there's been a lot of tragedies and just loss of life and turnover. So if you're going to see, say, Def Leppard or Warrant or Poison or whoever, are you actually going to see that band or is it something else? And it was just, it was an interesting conversation and something we could probably spend a heck of a lot of time on. We might need to rope in Chad for that one. Yeah. That's always fun to have Chad and see if he wants to do it. So people are going to be thinking about in the meantime for them, like what's, what's the cutoff point where they, you know, don't consider it a band anymore in the sense of, you know, obviously they're still going to go out and use the same name, but like you no longer have interest in them or you don't feel like it's a legitimate thing anymore. Uh, so yeah, people could be thinking about that before the next one, so, and then so in um, six months, get ready, we're coming yeah. back. <laughs> and then I was gonna say, um, you should when we post this, you should post a link to your to the recent podcast about uh, you know depression and and suicide and things to do, um, and I'll try to quick send you uh, the picture of that I took while I was just sitting there at. Uh, at Global Dance Festival, if if it's something that we can is the guy post. with the worm in there? Uh, sadly, no, no. I was I, I didn't have the camera ready to go for that. That would have been amazing, but I can at least send you something that gives a feel for it. So. No, it's it's good to be back. I I had the feeling last week when I was just getting ready to post the interview with, with Dr. Gordon, I was like, you know, I like doing this. <laughs> I I enjoy the. chatting it's good to catch up with you i mean we've had the benefit of uh, touching base quite a few times because of less covety things going on Mm -hmm. Um, but it is it is nice to check in and see where these conversations go and then when we have a specific topic it's fun to dig into that so that we have a few topics in mind and uh that's the plan sounds good to me so yeah um we will be back at some point maybe soon (laughs) <laughs> maybe a little bit later than soon <laughs> yep and uh yeah you can uh catch me on twitter at the idm and you probably already know that already if you're listening to this and chris how can they find you yeah so usually i use twitter for interacting about uh this and that is at geek zinga all one word geek zinga and your stream on Twitch every Wednesday. How can they find that? That is twitch.tv backslash bootius. B-O-O-T-E-U-S. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's good times. All right, sir. Yeah. Hang in there, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Sounds good. All right, thanks for listening, folks. Yep, Bye. Hey.